Welcome to Beyond the Code, the podcast where industry experts and brilliant legal minds discuss the impact of new emerging technologies. I'm your host, Yitzi Hammer, a lawyer and tech enthusiast. Join us as we explore the legal, regulatory, and ethical issues surrounding AI, blockchain, and more. Get ready to go beyond the code and stay ahead of the game. All right, Avishai, this is really exciting to have you on uh, on Beyond the Code. Um, we've known each other for quite a while since our school days, and I've um, admired your very illustrious career. You um, are also, I think, the most active privacy expert I know on social media. Wow, that's quite the quite the title. Thank you. Pretty, pretty religiously, always have a good meme to attach to your uh, to your posts, and um, are rocking on the uh, emojis. I don't know if you've tried uh, <laughs> GPT four's um, uh, post instructions, but if you tell it to like draft you a post for LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, like it does it like to the mark with emojis and with hashtags. So, oh yeah, you got a business soon. <laughs> 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 no, absolutely. I actually have an interesting story about my. Uh, I, I had a little bit, a little faux pas with uh, with my posts, and I'm not. I'm not afraid to admit. Uh, first all of right. all, thank you very much for for having me on, uh, Yitzi. It, it's uh, it's a great pleasure, and uh, I've been following your your career as well. And it's great to always. It's always great to chat with friends and certainly people who have a very interesting take on uh, what's going on in the world today. Um, but uh, yeah, my my story about um, ChatGPT. This was like literally when it when it came out, um, and it it was wasn't even. I don't even think it was like a week or two weeks old. Um, Epic Games, which creates the uh, Fortnite game, received a fine from the FTC in the United States for violation of uh, the FTC act and for and they said it was for you know for children's pri- online privacy practices that weren't up to par um and I asked ChatGPT to write me a post about it not realizing that ChatGPT's information was only up to date up until at that time the end of 2020 but um and this I think points to one of the sort of questions we can you know we can potentially get into it of um, being able to audit the source of the information. Um, when I asked it to give me a post about uh, ch- about the uh, the fine against uh, Epic Games uh, that happened yesterday, it was very happy to spit me out a uh, a post um, completely fabricating the. I mean, I don't know if it's a fabrication or information that uh, was not up to date. Yeah, and so that's why it's so important to sort of. Take this stuff with a grain of salt. Fact check, you know, audit the 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 information and make sure that you're getting um, you're getting correct information. It's a little bit like uh, relying on Wikipedia for like an academic article. I was going to say an intern. <laughs> an intern. <laughs> I feel like ChatGPT is just like a really good intern. You know, like they're quick, but you have to check all their work. I like that. Um, uh... Anyways, and, and they're cheaper and they're cheaper and they're, and they're cheaper 20 bucks a month i don't think you're gonna find an intern for 20 bucks a month um yeah. 
But back to your accolades. So you're, you're the most active privacy expert I know on social media. Initially headed up um, privacy at Astrosons, which is a, a prominent UK law firm. And today you're the head of Advisory Services. Director of Advisory team. Services at Direct- Privacy Team. Yeah. Yeah. Director of Advisory Services at Privacy Team, which is like a really awesome consultancy practice based here in Tel Aviv, which advises like all the unicorns in the in the tech ecosystem on their privacy concerns. Correct? Absolutely. That's uh, uh, in I mean, we're, we are based in Tel Aviv, um, but we do definitely advise global companies. So we have uh, Israeli based you know, led companies, but we mm-hmm. also have companies from all around the world um, who come to us because they understand that we understand not only the privacy, but also the tech being sort of in the heart of the startup nation. Um, and we also actually recently just opened an office in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, wow. So yeah, very exciting stuff um, going on there. I know in addition to being an Israeli lawyer, you're also a licensed practice law in the UK and you recently passed an exam for being an expert in Canadian privacy laws, correct? Correct. Wow, you're uh, you're very up to date. That literally happened like a couple of days ago. Okay, so you know you're you're uh, you're definitely an expert in privacy, and I'm very excited to have um, some conversations today around privacy and AI, which is one of the uh, you know main topics that this podcast purports to discuss and to be to be on top of. And there's there's certainly a lot of issues with privacy. Um, within the realms of AI, my initial reaction to ChatGPT was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Um, I didn't give much thought to, you know, what I w- the type of details and information I was sharing with it. I was just kind of like throwing all different kinds of things into the mix and seeing what came out and, you know, being continually impressed. And then a few weeks after uh, ChatGPT launched, I went to a fintech conference here in Tel Aviv which was um, sponsored by Microsoft. And they had um, one of their um, AI engineers was giving a lecture on um, Microsoft's um, OpenAI Azure product, um, which is essentially, you know, Microsoft is part part owner of OpenAI. So they basically integrated um, their own version of ChatGPT into the Azure ecosystem. And he was the last um, slide on his presentation was um, privacy and regulation. So okay, this is this is interesting, and he's like, let me tell you why ChatGPT is shouldn't be your go-to application if you intend to use it for you know business purposes. Basically, he says anything you know whether you're paying for the whether you have the paid subscription or the free subscription, anything that you're feeding into the AI is. Um, is ultimately being used to continue to train its um it, 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 to being able to train its uh, data train its data models right um ChatGPT is what's called an LLM large language um model large language model large language <laughs> uh, large yeah. language learning model I knew there was like another L in there um large language learning model and basically they train it on lots and lots of text and then after having you know millions and millions of words thrown in there it, they could ask the uh the ai okay what do you here, t- take five words what do you think the next word is going to be um so um in addition to the billions of text that was thrown in prior to its launch it's now taking all of our own prompts and using them to continue to learn and better itself. So essentially, it's like having a third person in the room with you. And if you're sharing anything that you think is should you know remain confidential, whether it's your client's data or your own personal data, then um, then you're sharing it basically with a third party. And when I looked at their um, 
privacy policy and some of their facts on their site, they, they said, you know, don't share anything that you don't want somebody else seeing because um, we do use this to train our data models. And um, Microsoft, um, excuse me, Microsoft said that with their um, Azure product, it doesn't do that. In other words, like any input that you give, they're kind of like uh, sandboxing it on the side and they're not using it to continue mm. to train their data models. And while mm -hmm. ChatGPT does allow you to um, delete um, your information, you can't delete specific prompts. Um, you can't delete, you can't, you don't have like a, a clear uh, dashboard for viewing that. And there's still a risk that it's going to be thrown into the pool and, and kind of be mixed with everything else. Whereas in Azure, it's completely manageable. So uh, there's definitely like major privacy issues there. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, <clears throat> you know, what I spoke about before with my um, my story with uh, when I use ChatGPT for a LinkedIn post, that's sort of the the output side of it, right? The, the, the dangers, quote unquote, in the output and being, you know, being wary or conscious of, what you're getting out of it. But what you're pointing to now is the issue of the input. I think there, you know, there are three parts to this that we need to think about it in three ways, right? There's the output, the input you certainly need to be wary of as well in terms of what information you're feeding into there. Um, are you feeding your customer information? Are you feeding your, you know, personal information? I actually read on, uh, on LinkedIn, um, and there was someone who posted about the fact that um, there was a there was a false article up on them that they had died. Okay, I think that they were in an accident and they had died, um, but in fact they survived. Um, and when they prompted ChatGPT to say, "What about you know so and so?" which was them, the AI gave information that yes you know th this person died in in a car accident on such and such date but it just kind of goes to show you that like once once something is out there on the internet chat gpt is going to go and and find it and you don't really have a way to you know correct that information audit that information someone who asks for a prompt and just gets a, a you know fed this information uh, unless they're going and actually doing the legwork to go and 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 check that, they don't necessarily know, uh, have no way of knowing whether it's it's true or not. Yes. Yeah, so, so as far as the in the output goes, like there's no question that you know it's not truthful. And an interesting question would be, you know, typically when you look at any data model, you if to the extent that it that it trains off of your personal data, you have the ability to ask it to delete your personal data. But here, presumably the um, any data about you that would be in their data model would have been taken from third parties, okay? I don't know, some other site where I would have given them um, my information. And assuming I go now to those third parties and ask them to delete my data, would it be deleted also from the data models that ChatGPT is training off of? Or would I have to go to them directly? Oh, wow, that's that's a really good question. I think it's too soon to know um, and I think it depends, I think the answer depends on which is it a, an open question that we don't know on how, um, how current and up to date their, um, so, so basically the way the model works, right? Is it, it will, when it wants to train itself on new data, it'll either take it from the prompts or it'll scrape data from sources, uh, around the internet. So it'll have mm -hmm. a crawler, a bot, 
out there scraping information from the internet. So I think it will probably depend, the question of whether the information is up to date will depend on whether they've, you know, received any information input from users or whether they've, you know, had a an, an up-to-date scraper, um, you know, how recently have they scraped their sources in order to gain the information? So I'm looking on OpenAI's website now. Um, and the, the first question that they asked there is, who can view my conversations? Um, so they state, as part of our commitment to safe and responsible AI, we review conversations to improve our systems and to ensure the content complies with our policies and safety requirements. So the first thing to know is that um, anything, any input that you put in, somebody's reading and reviewing um, and, you know, opining on. Second question is, will you use my conversations for training? And the answer is yes. Your conversations may, re be, may be reviewed by our AI trainers to improve our systems. So basically anything that you input in there is st staying um, on their system as part of their data, data models that they continue to train on. Can you delete my data? Yes, please follow the data deletion process that we discussed. And finally, can you delete specific prompts? No, please don't share any sensitive information in your conversations. So... Um, this isn't something that they like put bold underlined and when you enter onto the uh, prompt page the first time. This is only something that, you know, if you dig deep in the facts um, and the terms and conditions that you'd find, I think most people aren't aware um, of the fact that they're essentially, you know, sharing these conversations with third parties. And it's definitely something that people should be aware of, especially if you're using it for business purposes. You know, um, I, I use it often in my in my legal practice and you know, well, I don't share my um, my client's personal data. I, potentially, I could if I wasn't aware of the sensitivity here. So it's definitely something that people should be aware of. And um, yeah, absolutely. I th I think that I think that it's I, I think that we're at this stage because this technology is so new, right? We're at the stage of people understanding the potential of it, um, but also training people on how to use it responsibly. So if you think about um, I, d I don't remember when, when it was launched, but if you think about something like Wikipedia, right, which is an open encyclopedia, anyone can go and um, uh, get information from, mm -hmm. from Wikipedia. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a self-reporting tool, right? I can create a page, I can edit a page. Yes, there's a little bit of editing, but um, we can, uh, you know, we we basically it's it's a non-edited uh information so it's great for looking up you know who you know what uh you know what was napoleon's favorite thing to eat um but when you need things that are much more consequential then you'll go to more respected sources or you or you'll view the sources uh sort of at the bottom and i think that we're going through a similar process now with chat GPT, where people and, and, and in terms of Wikipedia, like people will understand, like if you say to them, if you say to someone, you know, I got this information from Wikipedia, then they know, okay, it's, it's probably correct, but we need to take it with a bit of a grain of salt. And if I need it for a professional context, I'll go to a more reputable source than Wikipedia, or I'll look up where the information on Wikipedia actually came from. And I think that we're going through a similar process now with tools like ChatGPT and other AI 
um, you know, uh, LLM uh, uh, tools that you were mentioning before, um, which is we're going through an people are going through an education process. We're learning what it can be, what it can be used for, what it shouldn't be used for, what people should be wary about how people should be wary about using it and sort of what are the societal norms around using these types of tools. And I think that, you know, it'll take a little bit of time, but people are kind of understanding, okay, I can use it for like a generic post on social media, but maybe I shouldn't use it in my court pleadings when I'm putting together information about, you know, um, you know, what are the, I don't know, what's the likelihood of someone um, i don't know throw something out there being <laughs> being uh, uh headbutted by a bull <laughs> you shouldn't be using it to obtain anything that we would we would um we would attribute any degree of uh, truthfulness to or accuracy um it's basically a, a lot of fluff nice fluff <laughs> nice fluff no no, it'll um, it'll it'll definitely shorten processes. You just need to make sure that you're using it for the right process. Um, and obviously, in terms of the input prompts, you know, think about those as well. I think at the end of the day, it'll be interesting to see which model becomes the Google, like Google to search, right? Which model becomes? Have you uh, tried Google's AI? I haven't. It I haven't. Sucks. I think it's only. It sucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's. It only became available. Uh, we're we're both based in Israel. I mean, you could use a VPN, obviously, but I think we're. I think it only became I available. It became in available Israel, like, like last, middle of week. last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I tried it out. Um, on the day they came out, and like again a couple of times since then, not a very nice user interface. Like you know how ChatGPT kind of just like types out the answer for you. Yeah. So Bard just kind of like goes silent for a minute and then spits out like a full answer um a lot of rejection so you like the you like the um it gives like it more typewriter when you see something coming out yeah yeah i love that but i will say that from a privacy perspective i took a look at their privacy policy okay um and you know as would be expected to help with the quality and improve our products human reviewers read and annotate and process your bard conversations human reviewers we take steps to protect your privacy as part of this process. This includes disconnecting your conversations with Bard from your Google account before reviewers see or annotate them. In other words, we're still going to review everything, but we're not necessarily going to connect it with your personal details. Um, and then finally, and this time in bold, please do not include information that can be used to identify you or others in your Bard conversations, um, which may explain um just like just for fun i spat your name into the uh, into chat gpt to see like what kind of qu questions it would suggest that i ask you um and i came out with like a whole bunch of questions based on your your background and i said i put the same question into bard and he's like uh sorry i don't know what you're talking about um but it could be because i because <laughs> i put your name in there and then it refused to take like any names um oh, and then when i took your name out then it gave me something just like super generic and generic not exciting uh, oh that's very interesting by the way, this this reminds me a lot, you know, the conversation that we're having right now about these uh, language models reminds me a lot of the conversation we were having like two years ago about home voice assistants. Do you remember that that conversation where we were like, okay, also AI, like, by the way, also AI. Also, there was a huge story in um, 
I, I can't remember which there was one of the countries in in Europe that like took this and and you know basically if you think about it so voice assistants were talking about things like Alexa um and there was a huge sort of splash and regulators getting involved when it was like discovered and I'm using air quotes for those who are listening to the podcast discovered that people were actually reviewing these recordings and you know it's something that's that's in your house it's just sitting on your counter and listening all the time including to conversations that could potentially be very sensitive um and then again you know there was this sort of um reckoning and questioning that people were saying like oh my god these technologies are are amazing but they're super invasive and we're not sure about the practices and are people listening or people not listening there was an order by i think the irish regulator it could, i could have been another one uh, but i believe it was the irish regulator to immediately stop all human reviewing of this uh of the recordings before um you know while the regulator did an, an investigation so there was like this whole conversation around it and at which which is good by the way i think we should be having these conversations and i think that it you know it's important for people to um you know the the main reason i think we should be having them is number 1 to understand what regulation we should tailor to these companies when they're using these products and how they're using them in order to uh, improve their own products and services because I think technology is important. I'm not an advocate for completely banning all technologies, um, but I do think that it, a it's good in order to have a conversation about what the right regulatory framework is for these uh, types of tools. And b I think it's really good for people to understand and be aware of some of the risks that are associated with them, right? So, you know, using a, a, a voice assistant um, carries risk that you're going to have sensitive information being picked up by this assistant that could potentially be reviewed by a human somewhere and people may be listening into your conversations. Even if it's not nefarious, um, it's still, you know, kind of disturbing that there's someone else in the in your living room potentially listening to your conversations and i think that you know the conversation that we're having now about you know we had that initial like honeymoon period of oh my god this is the best thing since sliced bread and you know people are just using inputting every anything and everything into these systems and you know it's been a couple of months or you know uh, almost a couple of months um, since they were launched uh, to the public. And now we're having the conver this mature conversation of, okay, these, these technologies are great, but let's realize that they carry risk with them. And let's understand and be and educate ourselves and be a little more responsible about um, how we use them, what we use them for, what information are we putting into them? What's that information being used for, et cetera, et cetera. So I think these conversations are super um, important in order to have people realize and understand and educate themselves, right? The public, because these technologies are open to the public. So educate themselves on some of the limitations, some of the risks, uh, again, not to say, you know, they should be completely banned, like we've had a suggestion uh, recently 
from one of the regulators and we can, you know, we can was get that into that. Was a suggestion or was that like an, is that being enforced? I think you're referring to the uh, Italian regulator. So um, ban on the, correct. So, so the Italian regulator um, recently put a ban on chat GPT um, uh, you know, for use. And if actually, if um, people want, you can, uh, is an interesting exercise that I did last week is put it, put on a VPN via Italy and go into chat GPT. You see, it's completely blocked. They won't allow you to use it, at least as of when I tried. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's one approach. That's one way of going. I don't think it's a permanent ban. I um, from what I read, the Italian regulator pointed out like four aspects of existing privacy regulation where chat gpt wasn't compliant um the first is in terms of age gating so they have no age gating when people sign up to their products you essentially could just pop in an email address and then you get you get access at least you know rudimentary access to the product um and you know as you know this is contrary to to privacy laws um the second thing that they notice is, is that the information isn't accurate. But again, we discussed this, like it's not accurate because it's training on old data models. I don't think that there's a, um, that there's a, a legal obligation for the information to be accurate, just that it's, you know, that you're clear that it's not accurate. And that actually is one thing that they put um, very clearly under um, like the main page where you put your prompts in, like, please note that this is, you know, perhaps not accurate. Um, then the third thing is that, um, people haven't been told that their data was collected. So like we discussed earlier, unless you're going to click around the whole site looking for it, it doesn't say anywhere very clearly that the information that you're putting in is being processed in any kind of way. And finally, and you know, I really wanted to try and not get too technical in, in the podcast, but unfortunately it's a, it's a, you know, it's a technical term. Um, they claim that there's no legal basis for processing. You're, you're a privacy lawyer, so you know all about the legal basis for, for processing. You know that if you do want to process somebody's personal data, you need to rely on one of them. And for, from my understanding, ChatGPT doesn't rely on any of the um, six justifications that are available. I think they go for legitimate interests, which is kind of like a, like a basket justification, but you'd be able to speak to that better than I would. But in, in any event... Um, it's not like they're saying like we have to make up laws. Privacy regimes um, in general, but in Europe in particular, have been notoriously clear on what is and isn't acceptable. And what they're saying is there are rules for these things and you're not playing by the rules until you're able to comply. We're not letting you, um, we're not providing access to your to your software, which is I think probably better than going after them with a big fine because they could have done that as well. What are your thoughts? Well, I think I think um, better from whose perspective? <laughs> um, more mature of the regulator, I think to 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 say like you obviously didn't think this one out. Like, why don't you go? I'm um, putting you in timeout for a little bit. Come back when you're ready. Um, as opposed to saying like, oh, look at you, you're acting contrary to to privacy regulations in Europe. We're gonna slap you with a massive fine. So. In a sense, I feel like what they did is commendable. So, um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think if you think about sort of what the um, the regulator in Italy did, um, if you think about regulators in general, right, they have sort of they have a few um, tools in their toolbox, but 
for our purposes, you know, you can, they can basically do when they find a company that's in violation. Um, again, they have a number of tools, but one of the, you know, the two main ones are either give them a fine or order them to stop processing. That's, uh, you know, basically according to GDPR. And I think that I, I completely agree with you that I think that the, you called it more mature, I call it more uh, sort of effective. The more effective tool is, you know, people think that the fines are like, you know, what are what the companies are most afraid of and what they're working to avoid. And, you know, they, they, they attract all the big headlines. But if you think about it, actually, the ban on use is much, much, much more um, effective. Because basically what you're saying is, you know, forget a, forget a fine that, the, that for these companies like Google, Meta, Microsoft, uh, whatever, they're like a drop in the bucket. Forget the fines. You cannot carry out your business in our territory is a much, much, much more sort of effective tool. And like like what you're saying, I mean, I like your sort of comparing it to dealing with a, a little child, right? You're on you're you're on a timeout now. Um, you're you're not ready. Come back to us when you're ready. And I think that's a much more sort of effective tool. And uh, I'm I'm very interested to see. Um, how the you know how microsoft is is going to respond they've already said that they disagree with the ruling um i expect that they'll probably challenge it legally um but in any event it's gonna sort of you know i hope what it does is have them rethink some of the practices and hopefully deal with some of the issues that we've been discussing now of the risks of using um these tools yeah, I think I think it would be it will be interesting to watch. Like, I would have thought I don't know when this came out. I think it was like two weeks ago. I would have thought that it would bring like a domino effect of having other um, jurisdictions follow suit. But since we haven't seen that yet, maybe you know they're letting the Italians play it out for everybody else and hoping that if they force Marcus Microsoft to comply, then everybody else will benefit from that as well. Uh, yeah. But it'll definitely be interesting to watch. Uh, the last question I want to ask, which is, you know, I think both of us, um, we're not academics. While it's important for us to um, to see these products evolve from a regulatory and legal standpoint, we both advise clients from a practical standpoint, and we want to see our clients be able to grow and succeed despite all of these regulations and, and restrictions. So what what I would like to ask you is, from a practical standpoint, what steps can companies take to be more responsible in this post-ChatGPT world, both if they're consumers, in other words, if they have their if their employees are using ChatGPT and other AI tools um, on a day-to-day -day basis to streamline their work, or if they're uh, companies that are creating AI products on their own. Well, I, I first of all, thank you for that question. I really, really love that question because I think that it's um, <clears throat> it's important that we stay on top of the regulatory trends for our clients. But it's I and we at Privacy Team very much believe in that these at the end of the day, companies need to do business and they need recommendations and they need you know actionable insights and actionable um, 
recommendations in terms of how you know what do I do tomorrow morning. So I I I think it's a it's a it's an excellent question. I think that the the main thing that I would say is I think that we as exciting as these new tools are and i'm not advocating not using them i think they're great and i think they should be used and i think they should be integrated i would caution companies and just tell them to take a step back take a breath um, and think a little bit more critically about what these you know the practices like the exercise that you, you did before you know we started this recording of actually going in looking at the uh, terms of some of these services potentially if they're you know they have enough leverage and they're a big enough business and they're looking to integrate it into their tool reaching out to uh, Microsoft reaching out to OpenAI I know that may sound crazy to people but believe it or not, they they do have a legal team that does you know negotiate with uh, with companies on their terms and on their conditions. I know also from some negotiations that I've done on behalf of um, my clients for uh, integrating OpenAI is that, for example, the use of data for training their models is something they're willing to negotiate on um and have a conversation about those practices if uh, you know obviously if you're on a, a paid model and um i think that you know that so, so i think that's something that needs to be uh, integrated into the processes so not just you know take the the, the initial rush of you know there's this new cool tool out there let's go and use it and integrate it into everything but actually take a step back and have a conversation, chat with your, um, you know, if you're in a company, chat with your legal team and ask them whether there are any restrictions around this. Um, make sure that, you know, people are aware that this is something that's being, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be used and exactly how it's going to be used. So that's, if you're in a company and you're, you know, you're hearing this and you're thinking how, you know, I want to integrate this to these tools, what do I need to do? Just, you know, be be conscious of the issues that we've spoken about and make sure that you're comfortable with what these tools are doing. If you're an individual, I would, you know, I would say something along the same lines, which is just be conscious of it, right? Be conscious in the same way, you know, we gave the example before of the voice assistants. Um, maybe don't have them on all the time, around the house, maybe don't have them, you know, listening in by default. So the same thing goes for these tools, maybe don't input that, you know, sensitive health information that you just have a question about, you know, a health condition, maybe, maybe don't input that at this point in time, and be a little bit more sort of cautious. I'm not saying again, I'm not advocating for uh, banning them or not using these tools, because I think they are an important part of our lives now. Um, but just to, you know, read up use a little bit, educate, use them responsibly. Exactly. Um, and if you, you know, and, and, and ask, ask questions. And the thing that I like to say, um, to people when I do privacy training, and this goes for any tool that you're, that you're looking to use, whether it's, you know, the, the newest cutting edge kind of AI language model or, you know, a, a different 
you know, a vendor that's going to make your calendar easier to, uh, you know, to synchronize and schedule meetings, any tool, um, you know, the, the, the way that I like to think about it and I like to tell people to think about it is think about if it's not your data going into there, if it's someone else's data. So then think about what, whether you would be comfortable in putting your data into that tool. Or if you are thinking about yourself, think about whether you would be comfortable putting your child's data or one of your parents' data uh, into that tool. And are you comfortable with what the company says they're doing in practice being done to your data, your child's data, your parents' data? So just sort of put yourselves in the shoes of someone who you care about and ask yourself the question, would I be comfortable with the practices being done on their data? Um, and if the answer is yes, then you can feel a little bit more confident about it. Um, because at the end of the day, we're, um, we're stewards of other people's information, and we need to use it responsibly. And so, you know, putting yourself in the other person's shoes and asking that question, I think, is a good exercise because it's always easier to say, oh, you know, it's someone else's information. I don't really care. But once you put yourselves in their shoes and you say, hmm, maybe I wouldn't be so comfortable if it was if it was my information that this was being, you know, that was being processed in this way, then, um, you know, you'll you'll uh, you'll be a little bit more cautious. And I think that, again, I think that's true across the board with any practices relating to uh, to privacy and regulation, I think that's a really good sort of go-to question, go-to test as to whether you would feel comfortable using this tool or not. Yeah, absolutely. I think another another good practice that could go hand in hand with what you suggested is, you know, after you have that conversation with with your lawyer, with your privacy expert, internally with your team. Um, it's important to have something that's communicated to all your employees. So I know that um, in the world of open source technology, open source technology is something that a lot of companies either integrate into their products or create open source for various reasons. And open source has you know, a, a wide breadth of licenses available that you could distribute the product under. And some of them are what's called copyright and some of them are what's called copyleft, okay? Um, copyleft is the more libertarian approach um, where basically anything distributed under a copyleft license sort of contaminates the other um, IP that it's distributed with. So um, companies are generally wary of what, you know, which open source licenses they integrate into their product. And in order to um, to ensure that this is communicated across the board, companies typically draft open source policies where they tell employees, you know, this is the type, of, these are the type of licenses that we're comfortable with. These are the ones that we're not comfortable with. These are the ones, you know, this is where we can integrate these type of licenses. This is where we can't. Um, in certain cases, you set up a a, a, um, a committee that you could discuss it with internally. And I think that the same work stream could be applied vis-a-vis -vis AI products where companies should you know, have these conversations and then integrate them into a company-wide policy that's distributed among all employees. And they can see very clearly, you know, these are the these are the products that have been vetted by our team and that we allow you to integrate. You know, I know a lot of companies use 
for example, Firefly's AI, which is like a, a, a note taker that you have on all your video calls that will, you know, turn all of your conversations into actionable items. Um, so these are the technologies that we, you know, we're comfortable with that we vetted. These are the ones that we're not comfortable with. These are the ones, you know, if to the extent that you want to introduce a new type of AI tool, you know, this is the committee that you need to discuss it with. Um, but basically, um, this is something that we've recommended to our clients and we've drafted for a few of them already, just having some kind of like uh, AI rules vis-a-vis, um, -vis, um, you know, company employees, and then make sure that they're clearly accessible to anybody. Yeah, I think that's that's also an excellent recommendation. And the one thing I would add to that is if companies are looking to integrate this into their product, so it's available to uh, customers, uh, I think it's also really important to make sure that customers have the option to turn it off because they're, yeah, opt out because they're... So that's really important to make sure that you have that... Um, you know, worked into the tool so that you're not forcing it on everyone. And then, you know, realizing that people are coming and saying, hey, wait a second, we can't use this tool because our national regulator said we're not allowed to use it. Excellent. Excellent point. Um, I think that we could wrap it up with that. Any Anything else you want to add? Um, thank you. This has been fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, chatting uh, AI and privacy and, uh, you know, new and emerging technologies and the different uh, approaches that we need to kind of uh, employ and think about. I hope that people take away from this conversation that what we're recommending is not to stop using these tools, but just to exercise caution and uh, a, a good healthy dose of uh, skepticism and just be uh, be conscious of it and uh, don't get swept up in the hype and uh, think when you're using these new these new tools so that's that's my message thank you um, and just lastly how could our listeners get in touch with you where could they follow you and get get access to your content so like you said in the beginning i am very active on linkedin um feel free to uh reach out connect you can see all my content there you know also feel free to dm me and uh i love to have conversations with interesting people just like you yitzi so uh yeah feel free to reach out i would love to chat about these topics or any anything else that anyone wants to chat about awesome thank you so much Avishay. thank you yitzi thanks for having me on Thank you for listening to Beyond the Code. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and to tune in again next week for more fun and insightful conversations.